Good evening, saints of God. The Lord's blessing and grace be with you all. We are continuing on our school of prosperity lessons. And I know it's not easy to commit to hearing information every day because our schedules are very busy um, but we are only doing this for a season because it's very necessary it's very necessary that we may be updated that we may be configured and that we may be presented ready for future and even for present seasons it is good for us to be aware it is good for us to learn it is good for us to make necessary sacrifices which may not make sense now which may not make sense now but they may bring us profit in the future then future to number six verse 19 we're picking it up from there um, and it says, do not lay up for yourselves. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. So we're talking about how financial insecurity or financial shakings, they come on the back of certain events. And uh, we looked at one practical example yesterday which I shared about what the nation of the country of Argentina went through. So you'll find that we started from looking at the prosperity which is in a location and going through the lessons understanding that Every location has influences which determine the prosperity in that location. Every environment has specific influences which determine the prosperity in that location. So you'll see that um, prosperity at the national level provincial level, city level, however it may be, community level, down to the individual, may intricately, may very closely, uh, may be very closely connected and tied to a whole range of events, a whole range of um, happenings, a whole range of systems 
I remember I gave you a scripture from the book of Jeremiah where God said, pray for the peace of this city. For in the peace of this city you shall have peace. So there are influences which hinder or aid the prosperity of the people of a certain location. Now, a very quick example. There was a company called Merrill Lynch. Um, it was an investment bank or an investment firm. You can look it up. Um, all its information is available online um, about its existence, where its its existence, where it started from, um, its operations. Um, but it's based in America. In 2000 or mid 2000s. Um, it began to venture and invest heavily in the offering of mortgages. And your mortgages are simply uh, loans which are offered to finance properties. They are simply loans which are offered to finance properties. And mortgages are secured loans where the buyer promises to, or the buyer states that by contract they will hand over their physical property which they are attempting to buy in the event that they default to pay the loan which they have requested to receive or to get from the bank or from the investment firm, the building society, whatever it may be. So mortgages are simply loans offered to finance property. Now, they, this company Merrill Lynch, the mid-2000s, began to heavily invest. Um, it was an investment bank, investment firm, and it began to venture into the mortgage industry. In other words, they began to offer loans. Obviously, in return, they are they have the collateral of the asset that the borrower wants to buy. Now, because of the the way they they and other companies during that time began to package these loans, they it led rather to, because it was not only them, but I'm looking at them, it led to a spike 
in the demand of mortgage loans. Not everyone can afford to buy a house with a cash payment upfront. And even if they have, they might rather spread their payments sometimes over a certain period of time because they may not have the full amounts or they may just say, I don't want to have the financial burden of the heavy outlay now. I would rather pay interest on the mortgage because it allows me at least to keep a certain level of reserve or cash at hand um, now instead of immediate outlay, whatever the reasons may be. So because a large number of companies were investment firms and even uh, investment firms and banks were now um, heavily looking at this area in America during this time, there was increased demand for these loans. Obviously, when there's increased demand for loans, it means there's increased um, demand and activity in the housing market because these loans are being taken for houses, for property. So the housing market in America at that time had an asset boom. It, it began to have high value. It rose in value. And all these investment banks and firms um, these hedge funds, these brokerage firms are now beginning to see that there is potentiality for massive and great profit during this time. So what some of these firms, including Merrill Lynch, began to do was that they began to, because they wanted to, to take on more and more and more loans, okay? Because obviously the loans are coming with an interest rate and as long as the housing market is secure um, and the people are able to pay generally there was obviously there's risk of default which we'll talk about but there was manageable risk um, apologies if you are going to be hearing exterior sounds of of children shouting and the like the place where I'm using to send my message now is a bit central, is a bit um, exterior to where we, to the main house where we stay. So I'm picking up sound from activity from the houses that are around us. So please, um, if you do hear sounds of children playing, um, excuse me, but I have no option but to send the audio now so that at least from 6 p.m. you begin to share on the wisdom of God. I don't want to be sending my lessons late. Now, so what these investment banks and brokerage firms, hedge funds began to do, they began to, because they began now to lower the, because obviously when you want to take a loan, they have their standards. In America, they have what they call a credit score. If you have a poor rating of the credit score, it means you are unsuitable to be given a loan. So because they wanted more and more and more business, what they began to do is these companies began to lower their standards of who can get a loan. So it almost became like if you just came and said, I wanted a loan, you just have a job, you're just presentable, 
they just found a way to be giving loans even to high risk people and these types of loans are called subprime loans where people with high risk of not paying back are given loans so these these investment firms brokerage firms hedge funds began to offer these subprime loans to housing owners to borrowers now as they offered these housing loans what they began to do because they knew we are now entering into high risk territory there is high risk of default because of the quality and the type and the capability of the people we are giving we are giving money to they also now um began to go to insurance companies and these insurance companies offered these brokerage firms what are called credit default swaps in other words uh, it's just an intricate name um, which describes the purchase of insurance for defaulting home or for potentially defaulting homeowners so let's say merrill lynch um gets a certain number of loans which they are calling subprime high risk loans they give them out then they go out to insurance firms or they go out to other financial investors other investment banks and they say to them we want to ensure we want to lessen the risk we want to cover ourselves on this this these they would gather or they would group up these high risk loans together it would be one loan they would group them up so that it makes financial sense they will take a number of loans then they go to other investors whether they're investment banks whether they are the insurance companies then they go to them then they say we want to cover ourselves in the event that these these um borrowers they default so what these uh investors or insurance companies would do is they would give what are called credit default swaps in other words it's just insurance what then they would do is that they would commit to pay it would be just a document that says we commit ourselves to pay you in the event that so and so doesn't pay so and so doesn't pay so and so doesn't meet um the payment terms of 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 of, of their loan now and obviously for for those for that arrangement there was an interest premium like an insurance premium which was paid so they secured themselves in the event that um these loans which they are offering high risk loans that defaulters would fail to pay they wanted to make sure that in the event that these guys don't pay we at least we are covered we are paying a premium we are paying a monthly amount which was determined according to the agreements to this insurance company and then they are going to cover us in the event that these guys they don't pay.
So all things being equal, it was a potentially good arrangement because the housing market was stable. It was really going up and they were the, the, the financial environment at that time, for some, it seemed settled. Because potentially low risk and they hedged themselves, they protected themselves against any future losses. Now, something happened to summarize and then we get into the word and then we continue. The Federal Reserve, the U.S. Federal Reserve, um, which we can liken to probably the Reserve Banks of of South Africa or of, of Zimbabwe, um, but the country's Reserve Bank, um, which has the ability to determine um, or to influence certain interest rates um, on credit cards, on mortgages, on bank loans um, in the United States. The Federal Reserve, they raised what was called the federal rate. Now, the federal rate is interest that banks pay on overnight loans when banks um, loan either from the Federal Reserve or from each other, they loan each other money overnight, um, they make arrangements uh, on transfers of money or they receive money in whatever way they receive money which is sufficient to meet their obligations from the Federal Reserve. Those that overnight um, transaction that overnight loan rate of interest was raised by the Federal Reserve, which means now the banks and subsequently not only the banks and subsequently also the investment firms, the investment banks, um, the, the, the hedge funds, the brokerage firms have now an increased cost in their raising or access to capital and this eventually because the interest rate on their loans was raised it impacted also interest rates now in the financial markets and eventually interest rates in the housing market began to rise and when interest rates rose on mortgages in the housing market it meant that those high risk defaulters those high risk rather borrowers already they were high risk now they are being exposed to a higher rate of interest on the mortgage that they took which means the money which they must pay monthly rose and when it rose gradually over time because this is national this is not limited to a to, to, to this is a national thing many high risk borrowers began to default many high risk borrowers began to default other companies had secured themselves by taking out insurance on these loans others did not 
So there was now massive defaulting on mortgage payments. And subsequently, because now there's massive defaulting, these homeowners, they can't sell their houses to meet their, they can't sell their houses to meet their obligations to pay back the loan. They can't do that because the, high, the housing price began, obviously fell because now very few people have interest in taking out loans for houses and very few people now are selling, are managing to even sell their houses at the market price. No one wants to sell, no one wants to buy a house in a volatile environment. So people lost property. Houses were taken from them because they defaulted on their loans. But at the same time, this the, the company in question, in specific question, the one I'm talking about, Merrill Lynch, after a year in 2006, where they ended up with about billions of dollars in profit, end of 2006, it only took these events in 2007 and eight to push them into book value losses of over tens of billions of dollars. When they are, it was end of 2006, they were celebrating. They had, they were dominating in, in the industry. They were dominating in the market. They were happy things were going well. But just an amalgamation of events shifted everything. And from an, a year end of 2006, where they were in the profit margin of billions of dollars, US dollars, billions of US dollars, they suddenly 2007 made losses, a total loss in 2007 and 2008 of about 25 billion. Subsequently, the company had to be bought up by the Bank of America. Another bank in America, they had to buy or swallow up um, Merrill Lynch. Now, going deeper into the story, you'll find that the way they went into this market of home loans, it was reckless. They didn't go into it with a desire to preserve or to protect themselves and also to preserve and to protect potential borrowers because there were always laws and regulations in place to limit access to people who fail to borrow. It's also to protect them. So when these guys now began to give loans to everyone, they were also exposing people and exposing themselves. And even though to a certain point they were secured 
somewhat. It's not every it's not every loan that they manage to cover by insurance or by those credit default swaps. These guys would make tremendous amounts of money through this. But eventually, even those companies that they were selling, selling those loans to because they would harvest loans as a brokerage firm, then go to insurance companies with a bundle of, let's say, we have these 5,000 homeowners, high risk, but they have all taken loans. Then they sell to that investment company. They sell to that insurance company. That insurance company is looking at the environment and saying, this is, this is just money for free because a few people will probably default everyone wants to be a homeowner the economy is stable we are just getting money monthly to maintain potential security for these guys but there were there were big insurance companies that almost went close to going out of business because they secured loans in good faith to say the housing market is stable, the economy is stable. And this company called Merrill Lynch, after a year in 2006 of profit, two years later, end of 2008, they were bought out for $50 billion sold to save them from bankruptcy and closing down. Why am I saying this? They are always kick-off events in an, in an environment in an economy which can set back people, institutions, companies, organizations which seem to be thriving, which seem to be moving forward. But when that kickoff event happens, the gradual implications, the knock-off implications, they have greater impact eventually on the layman. Part of the example which I gave is what contributed to the American financial crisis in 2008, which led to the financial recession which shook America. And because it shook America, it also began to have impact on the world. There are always events which can happen. Because you can imagine you are living in America, but you don't know that there are people who are undertaking policies in their business, which are not wise policies. They have a strategy which they are undertaking. It's giving them profit today. But what's giving them profit today it's going to be a build-up to an event which will cause many to have lost tomorrow. Why am I saying this, child of God? Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, Do not lay for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth, moths eat, rust destroy, and thieves break into steel. They are always going to be influences and forces which want to consume 
prosperity on the earth and in the earth. The world system, though it is built to encourage prosperity, it is also victim to behaviors by people in positions of influence. Because the moth and rust, the moth and rust may be people who are driving a certain industry which may seem to be prospering today. Because you must know this, every economy in every nation has an industry which is which is a major influence if i can put it it is a sector in its commerce which has a major influence on the financial well-being of the nation they all come together but there may be a certain sector in a certain area which is a great and a key influence and if that person or if those groups of people are moths and they are rust in the day of their creation and prosperity they will be celebrated but there is a day that you will see that the moth has eaten up my precious fabric the rust has eaten up my metal because what moths and rust do, it's gradual decay. It's not immediate. It's gradual decay. It destroys that which was presentable. It de they destroy that which was perfect. And that company for a season and for a time, it was dominating. But it played a part together with other companies and together with the banks, certain banks in America during that time, who did not make wise financial decisions concerning their own operations because all they were thinking of was profit. All they were considering was making more money. And it allowed them to profit for a season and for a time. But they came a season where something shifted. And the amalgamation of errors which were occurring in various sectors of commerce and industry, they all came together and a financial crisis happened. The average person would not even be knowing what is going on in high offices what is going on in sectors which have a great influence on the economy or on their prosperity. Looking at that story, you'll find that even when some of the top leaders of the CEOs and the divisional leaders of Meru and Lynch were, were allowed to go. 
they were pushed into resignation and given golden handshakes. And one of the guys who was involved in this in, in this whole mess, he was given a, a golden handshake of 165 million US dollars. Yet he has con he has played a part to contribute to the downfall of many. Because that was in 2007, 2008, a financial crisis hit, which was aided by activities. She was aided by activities, by banking firms, by investment banks, by brokerage firms and hedge funds. In a small, let's say in a five-year period, so you may never know, child of God, what is going to be a kick-off event for financial crisis. That is why being informed is key. That is why being sensitive to environments is key. That is why being sensitive to things that are going on around us is key. At times, we may not have understanding of things that are going on around us. But by discernment, we, pre, we, we, we may get a picture to see. And when that discernment hits our lives, we must take advantage of that discernment to prepare. But even without discernment, like I said yesterday, we must live a life which preserves us. We must live a life which preserves us. Because while some people are profiteering and making money, they may not care that the decisions which they make may affect someone else. And financial instability, it, it comes through various ways. As I mentioned yesterday, if an earthquake hits a country, the amount of infrastructural damage can be very great depending on the size of the earthquake. And the financial cost, the financial cost to recover from that may be very terrible. The job losses, the financial costs, the loss of confidence of investors in the environment or impact on the financial condition of the currency of that nation. Share prices begin to go down. It's an amalgamation of a lot of factors. But how do you rate yourself from, for an event which you may not know it's coming? But listen, child of God, Jesus, when he was talking with the disciples, as I am talking to you, he said one time in Matthew, Chapter number 24. 
He said this. He said, take me that no one deceives you. That's Matthew chapter number 24. Take heed that no one deceives you. Be careful that you are not going to be deceived by anyone. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive men. Alright? And you will hear of wars. Okay? Rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, instability, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Hear the child of God. All these things that Jesus mentioned, right? Wars and the rumors of wars. Do you know that just a report that, let's say, America is about to go to war with China, just that report, see what will happen to the stock markets. People will begin to sell their stocks, shares, Because what they want is to protect their investments, to protect themselves. So they rather let go, instead of protecting their they let go of their investments and recall money. Even at a possible loss, they'll begin to dump shares. They'll begin to dump stock. Why? They are trying to cover themselves from losses, but it's just a rumor of a potential war. They don't know what's going to happen. What they understand is that information is supposed to trigger an action which might position them at least for for financial recovery. It's just a rumor. It's just, just a rumor. What Jesus mentioned, these are also events, these are things which can have an impact on a physical location. When an economy may be seemingly going well. But what if a natural, a real famine, not in type of financial, but a famine, drought, severe, severe drought really hits? The water table severely decrease. Access to agricultural production, rather, let me say, becomes extremely limited, scarce, rare. It's an event that impacts the economy. What if war begins? Who goes to work during a time of war? What if there are terrorist attacks? A sudden terrorist attack can throw a nation into chaos. What if there are riots and protests? As we have seen in the past weeks. All these things 
plagues, pestilences, as we have seen, even up to now, they have an impact on the economic well-being, not only of nations, not only of cities, not only of communities, but of individuals. But I believe God always wants us to be prepared. God always wants us to have an advantage over individuality, over eventualities. In a time of peace, relative prosperity and progress, can you discern decisions that can be made? Do you know that there are also economic sabotage? Those that have behind the scenes control and influence over certain key parts of how an economy flows and operates. Let's just say the fuel industry in a certain place where a certain company is 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 deregularized and it's free for all those who want to import and sell. All right. But let's just say there is an individual who has 80% of the market share concerning fuel, he's the biggest. And most of the nation is depending on him. Imagine if that guy just decides to say for two weeks, he gives an excuse that something has gone wrong, he's unable to supply fuel. Imagine the chaos that can hit the country. Now a whole country is depending on companies or individuals which own 20%, which have 20% of the existing market. They can't meet the needs of the country. That country in such a short period can be thrown into financial chaos. It may be limited. But there will be confusion for a short period. Child of God, we, we, we don't want to be victims to people with money already who can make certain key decisions because, I don't know, it can be bad business practice, it can be sabotage, I don't know what it can be. It can be a desire to impose control and influence to show that if I do this, if I sneeze, all of you will catch a flu. We don't want to be victims of moths, rust, and of thieves. Because it's very possible, very, very possible. Things like that can happen, but if they happen, these are just theories. This is just hypothetical speaking. If such a thing happens, will you be found prepared? What is the state of your financial life right now? How far can your available finances take you?
Some of you are a crisis away from saying, I'm going back home. You are a crisis away from relocating. What is your financial condition at the moment? How far can your finances take you in the event that there can be a financial shaking? Seasons of lack, they are always connected to certain key events. In the, in the example I gave, it was just the Reserve Bank, the Federal Reserve of America, raising overnight long interest rates. It impacted, eventually it impacted the cost of access to money for banks overnight, and then they have to raise their interest rates to cover for their increased costs. The mortgage rates rise up. And eventually, the layman who borrowed loses a house because he can now not meet raised, a raised mortgage payment. He can't meet that. But that decision was made by people in an office. It's just an interest rate. But that interest rate was met by people who were living wastefully or prodigally, if I can put it like that. Because it affected or it made people who were not ready for it because of the way they were applying themselves, profiteering in the marketplace, fleeing away from best business practices, fleeing away from best financial practices, and it eventually affected the whole nation. The whole nation. Some of you, you know, overnight, some of you had, some of you had US dollars in your accounts. But one decision, one decision converted what you had to basically nothing. One decision announced without consulting you without asking for your for your input because now there is no longer any cash available to give you it became unsustainable because there's no hard currency there's limited money supply there's limited currency notes and coins to give what do we do We have to make a sudden change, <laughs> a sudden policy change, it affects you. Imagine going to sleep knowing you have such an amount in your bank, you have been working, you have been saving, in your bank account there is such an amount, then someone just tells you, ah, that money is no longer workable. We are now changing that currency. It's now another currency. And what you decide is worth now this. How do you work? How do you operate? You had no contribution to that decision making. 
It was all an amalgamation of what others did. How did that, that nation get to that place where they were making that decision in, in the where they had them to make that decision in the first place? How did we get there? And the challenge is people will not know when they are in the season of how are we of how did we get there. People will not know when they're in the season when practices which are building towards crisis are being applied. They'll never know. They'll never know until it all comes down in a certain season and it comes very harsh. God gave us keys in the word of God. That every time a family hits, God gave us keys. God gave us keys. God gave us keys to show us that even though God called Abraham, there was a famine in the days of Abraham. The one whom God was hearing. Paying tithe does not exempt you from being part of an environment which may experience financial shakings. Oh my God. I pray you are following me well. I pray you are hearing me. God wants us to be wise. This is the fifth lesson. And I just pray and hope that something is settling in your mind and in your spirit. To say, I have to move with the frequency of the season. The frequency of wise decision making. Which will make me a victor and a conqueror. If Abraham made it during a famine, if Joseph made it during a famine, why did they make it and I then fall during a time of crisis? There's something I must adjust. There's something I must adjust. There's something I must adjust we may look into it maybe more detailed money but the united states financial crisis when it hit in 2008 september when the stock market crashed in two months about four hundred thousand people had lost their jobs 400, think about that, 400,000 people lost their jobs. 400,000 is not a joke in two months. You had people who were working up going to work two months before. Huh? The stock market crashes, things begin to go financially wrong. 400,000 lost their jobs. They lost their jobs, 400,000. These are life realities, child of God. Life realities. If you have no preparedness for such a time, you are exposed. Do you know that economies are interconnected? There are some nations that if they have a financial crisis 
it can impact you. There are some nations that if they are involved in war, whenever they are there, it can impact you here. You can have a crisis financially here. There are some economies which are so crucial to your financial well-being that if they shake that side, you may also be found shaken. The impending approach of seasons must be discerned and it must be prepared for. It must be discerned and it must be prepared for. What is your financial condition right now? On a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being extremely healthy, 0 being intensive care unit, where are you in terms of financial health? Are you in financial hospital? Are you in financial ICU? Or are you financially you're okay? You, you may feel some pains here and there. <laughs> you can cough here and there, but generally, you know, you're okay. You can fight off the cold and the cough. Here and there. Well, we're talking about financial, not physical well-being. We're talking about financial well-being. How are your finances like? What is your financial life like? How healthy are you financially? I want us to rise, child of God, into extreme financial wellness, which goes beyond I can pay my rent, which goes beyond I can pay my bills. No. We must have extreme financial wellness. Extreme financial wellness. As the Church of God and Royal House members, I cannot speak about other churches and other members in other churches. I'm speaking to those that I've been sent to. We must have extreme financial wellness. Extreme financial wisdom by the Holy Ghost. Knowing what to do with money. Knowing when to apply wisdom which keeps us in preservation and safety. Which keeps us in financial dominion. I just read um, yesterday that if you are playing soccer in the English Premier League before the new season, they want to make sure that key staff members, I think that's, that involves coaches, 
or medical staff, trainers, whatever it may be, and players, they have to be vaccinated. Okay. What if you may just by choice be against the vaccination? Can you afford to lose your job? There are some people who may be forced to go against their decision. Because they don't want they, they don't want to lose their financial safety. They don't want to lose that. And even though there are many challenges legally which can arise from that, because there are others maybe who say the law prevents us from being discriminated because of the choices that we make. Um, whether based by religious influences or uh, which may just involve natural choice, I am preserved by the law from discrimination. You can't fire me or let me go. So whenever not, there may be legal challenges, but it's just a question. This is a shift, a law. Are you in a position where you are stable enough to say, it's okay guys, you can keep the job. I'll find uh, I'm okay. Because there is a level of stability which gives you control. It gives you control. When the tax collectors came, Jesus was not shaken. He was puzzled, of course, but he was not shaken. He sent Peter to, to, the, to the sea. He never ran away from money issues. As the church, we, we cannot run away from bread and butter issues in the name of faith. Everything must be, must be balanced. We don't promote money over God. We don't promote greed. We, we, we don't promote excessive lust. We, we don't promote lust for money. We, we don't promote greed and excessive desire for money. No, we are balanced. And in our balance, we are saying we want to prosper. We want to prosper. Because with money in our hands, we can do great things for God. Money can give you a choice, child of God. A voice and a choice. Sometimes in the absence of money, your voice is limited and your choice also is limited. In the absence of money, your choice and your voice also is limited. I want to believe that in this season, God is going to enable us. God is going to help us to thrive and to prosper. In the absence, in the absence, in the absence of stability, your voice and your choice is limited. You may be found going to Egypt 
to buy from the Egyptians when the famine comes. Because you never descend in approaching shaking. Child of God, um, my audio split in two here, but the general message you've heard. Let's meet again on this platform on Monday as we go into lesson number six. There are a specific number of lessons. When those lessons are completed, you will hear me telling you that this is the final lesson. And even myself, um, I know he, he gives me, but he gives me the information, the knowledge. <laughs> I'm wondering how will I get there. Okay, because of the number that he has told me. I'm not saying it's too many, but at the same time, <laughs> you will find that it will be, will be finished soon. Okay, but I pray you're not going to lose value. And as we go into the next week, lesson 6 to 10, we will be laying a foundation, going, grow, going practically now into the expressions of wise living. Now you can dominate and be established um, financially. The Lord give you extreme grace. I pray for you. Be established. Be faithful in all things as you hear my voice, the sound of my words. May the grace of God upon my life, the mantle of increase, the mantle of multiplication and prosperity rest upon you. The oil of goodness and faith and the oil of plenty in Jesus' name. May it rest upon you. Amen.